Hey everyone, it's Matt Burton. I just wanted to give a shout out to you all once again for getting us over 200 patrons. I know that we all enjoy doing this stuff and we can only do it because of you. So again, thank you all. Reminder that this episode is being uploaded to Patreon first on Thursday and then free release 24 hours later on Friday. Also wanted to give a shout out to Vanessa House Beer Company where we do the show every Thursday even though we aren't there today. Vanessa House is on Broadway and 8th in Oklahoma City. And patrons, don't forget to check out today's posts for something fun happening in the future. Okay, enough for me. Let's get to Brady and Keegan on Through the Keyhole. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Through the Keyhole. What's up? How's everybody doing out there in podcast land or whatever land that you hail from? Welcome to the show. Brady Trantham here alongside Keegan Renault. No, we are not at the Nest House. And if you follow us on Twitter, you knew that earlier because I woke up with a slight, slight fever. So whatever I've had since Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, stomach virus or whatever it is, um, it's not quite... Uh, rid itself of me just yet, uh, but I feel I feel fine. Voice is still kind of weak from the uh, hellish days of Sunday and Monday. <laughs> Won't go any further. Just do the math yourself. Uh, but uh, I feel tons better. Looking forward to a weekend of college football, OU football, and maybe, 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 maybe OU football will start to mirror, maybe mirror what we kind of assumed we were going to watch uh, game one against Tulane and even game three against Nebraska. But OU is 3-0. There could be worse things. But Keegan, how, how are we doing today? How are we doing over the Zoom machine? Talking about sports making you happy, Brady. I've had no, a, nice, no, no, I've had a no, nice roll over no. the last two weeks. The we're birds not, are playing well. So hopefully my goodwill on this podcast will bring you some goodwill this weekend. Uh, Oklahoma up to a 17 and a half point favorite over West Virginia. As you guys know, I will not be talking further about this, but go cards, go my God, go cards, go. <sighs> All right. Do you want, do you want 30 seconds to talk about the Cardinals? So you can just get it out. No, of no, we're no, we're good. No, no, no my get... whole point, my, my point was, is that I'm getting some goodwill now with the team that was underperforming. We talked about it on Tuesday Joke, like I use it as an analogy, underperforming, played on tight most of the year. Now they've broken out. Hopefully, some of my goodwill will be shared upon you this weekend, and Oklahoma can break out out of this funk they're in a little bit to start the season. Yeah, please spray your goodwill all over us. And, There's only uh, one Cardinal Devil Magic, Brady. There's only one. Oh, really? <laughs> um, I mean, I do like the uh, Cardinals when they're on – on Sundays when Kyler Murray's playing for him. They're fun. He is a very fun football player. You know, like, have we talked about, we haven't talked about OU players in the NFL in some time on this podcast. And before we get into, I want to talk about Spencer Rattler's quote, which I, I, I assume you've seen what I'm referring to. If not, I'll, I'll send it to you, but. It's a part of the same one I sent you uh, oh, yesterday. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's all, that's all it comes in the same. Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, before we get into the West Virginia preview for Saturday, uh, just as a reminder, as Matt told you already, 
Uh, shout out to our patrons who are listening to this one uh, first for the first 24 hours. And shout out to all of our regular Through the Keyhole listeners who get it on Friday at some point. Uh, we love you guys as well, guys and gals. Uh, podcast analytics show that I think 8% of our listening base uh, at least confess that they are women in whatever format that they have to like fill out surveys and like, I am a woman. Um, sometimes, sometimes, uh, I, I question the validity of these numbers, but you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, but before we get into all that, uh, want to remind everybody or ask everybody, beg, 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 beg. If you've not done so, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple podcasts. Thank you very much if you've done so already, but if you've not, please, we would appreciate that. Also, patreon.com slash through the keyhole, blah, 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 blah. But look, real quick, Keegan, let us talk about Kyler Murray in the NFL because oh, <laughs> um, even throwing two bad interceptions last Sunday and then he had a pick against uh, Tennessee. I mean, with what he's asked to do, I think a turnover or two as you uh, show me your crotch. Right on this. I? <laughs> I'm wearing No, I was looking for my uh, looking for something. Uh, me too. No, just, no, it's <laughs> it's um with what Kyler's asked to do in that offense. I think you know him throwing a pick, even two picks. If you're going to score, essentially, if you're going to score four or five or be accounted for four or five touchdowns, one turnover. I mean, it's kind of what you're asking for in the NFL, right? Because what Kyler is doing is just insane. I I don't think I've ever seen anything like him in the NFL. I mean, we said it when he was here. Like that, I don't know if we're ever going to see a quarterback like for the old timers. It was always like he's Jabel Holloway that was in a system that allowed him to throw, right? Like I don't know if we're going to see a guy in our lifetime that's like that's going to do the things that he does because football will revert back to something else, you know, twenty years from now, and it just will be different. I mean, what he, I mean, it's it's kind of along the same lines of what we saw with with Trey Young in terms of basketball, right? He's carrying such a load that like you're okay with the couple of mistakes, as long as he continues to basically be the only reason, you know, that the Cardinals are having, you know, win some games. I mean, their defense, I don't believe was very good last week. Um, they were good in week one against, against Tennessee, but yeah, it's crazy. I mean, all the guys are playing well. I mean, everybody freaked out about it. One Jalen hurts bomb last week, which play the audio, Matt. Oh, shit. here we go again. Trying to be that coffee game. But you know, everybody's playing well, Brady, uh, for the most part. I, I, I mean, Kenneth Murray made a couple big plays in the Cowboys game on Saturday. Really good showing by the, this crop of players. And even like Cody Ford's even having a better year. And he struggled at times with Buffalo and trying to thank Ben Powers and the Ravens. And, uh, you know, he had a big penalty late game on Monday night but or Sunday night. But, you know, these guys are playing better. And it's a big spotlight for Oklahoma, Brady, considering yeah. the company that they're trying to compete with on the recruiting trail. Uh, this has been a very important first couple, three games uh, into the year in the NFL for them. Yeah, I mean, Orlando Brown, Creed, Creed Humphrey are kicking ass for Kansas City. Creed Humphrey making his second start in his second game in the NFL. So that's incredible. Marquise Hollywood Brown with a big touchdown. I think he's had a touchdown in each game so far for Baltimore this year. Mark Andrews still doing his thing. I mean, yeah, it's just gone are the days when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, Keegan, where you'd be hard pressed to find any like fun OU players to watch the NFL outside of if you caught a Titans game, you might see Brandon Jones catch a touchdown pass. 
who did Mark Clayton play for? What what team did he play? Because I know he played for Baltimore like for a year or two, but I can't remember what team he. That's gonna kill me that I can't remember. But then you know it really kind of started with like Adrian Peterson in uh, Minnesota in terms of like an exciting player. Because shout out to Kel- Kelly Gregg, um, but X's and O's people are gonna be the ones who follow nose guards because uh, Kelly Gregg was awesome. Corey Ivy was awesome for a long time, but uh, you know role players. Kelly Gregg's a little bit better than a role player, uh, but no, it's, it's just, it's cool. And OU's got a, like you said, a gigantic spotlight and it's just nothing but, you know, good things. They already have like probably one of the more viral plays, probably the most viral play that we're going to see probably this season in DJ Graham's interception. So recruiting and being at the forefront of the conversation should not be hard for Lincoln Riley and OU. They just kind of need to uh, hold up their end of the bargain which is where we'll kind of segue back into the current team. Uh, but before we get to West Virginia, let us talk about that quote. Uh, my, my goodness. That's Keegan. It's not a good look. I mean, Spencer Rattler was asked about uh, facing criticism as, you know, QB one at OU and not living up to the standard. And I think he kind of admitted to like, yeah, I have not lived up to my standard or the standard here at OU, blah, blah, blah. But, as I try to look for the screenshot on my, no, cannot find it because my life is not meant to. I mean, be I, I have. Happy. I mean, he said he he said the fact that these critics they don't know what they're talking about. They haven't played. They haven't been a power five quarterback. Yeah, and I tried my damnedest because I couldn't remember the exact verbiage. I couldn't remember the year because it literally could have been any season. But that's the Mike Stoops quote, isn't it? Isn't that the same thing that Mike Stoops said? Like all these people don't no football yeah uh, he uh, to the about the safety thing was that 2018 2017 I, I was in the room so it had to have been 17 or 18 so i was in there when it was said was it after but, a game or was it like during a no practice? it was it was midweek yeah it was midweek because someone asked him about buki and the safety thing so oh, yeah the quote, 2018 yeah i mean that just shows us a little lack of maturity you know, I said this to somebody earlier, and I'm, again, I'm not hating on Jalen Hurts here when I said that, when I mean this, so you don't need to play the audio, although the audio is going to get played twice now. Oh, shit. Here we go again. Trying to be that confident. I mean, Jalen Hurts told the media the same thing, and I think that's why a lot of, maybe, I, I don't know, from the outside looking in, I know you guys talk about it all the time, but there was some weird, like, disconnection between Jalen and a lot of the media members, and, like, they, that wasn't like that with Kyler and Baker. But Jalen never said it, right? He just was the tone and the way his body language to certain questions. But Spencer said it, so it shows a lack of a little bit of maturity, as it did with Jalen. And I, I think that, like, I don't know if Lincoln would have told him to say such things. I don't think he said that. Now, he's not – it's wrong, just don't say it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can thank it, you can feel it, you can – I'm sure Baker thought it after the Ohio state game and the Houston game. I'm sure Kyler thought it after the Texas game, you know, like I'm sure all these guys think that and that's, they're right. Like, I don't care. I mean, but at the end of the day, just don't say it. Like, don't, don't let people be able to read that or hear that and open up more criticism to yourself because what he said after the fact was a hundred percent right. And it's a hundred percent on point with everything from talking about like exactly what we talked about 
Like, the, I got to see that the linebacker's not dropping back. I got to see the corner's not dropping back. I've made three really poor decisions, and, like, I've got to be better. Just I've got, we, I've got to see that. that. I've got to see that Marvin Mims is triple covered before I throw him the football. I mean, I mean, yeah, but he he still said it though. Like, you know what I mean? I know. No, like, look, I mean, first of all, if you fancy yourself number one overall pick, which if, you know, OU's offense flips the switch and, you know, they are truly, you know, close, like Lincoln Riley has been saying the last two weeks, and they simply just flip that switch and they are what, and they are what we know them to be then Spencer Rattler is going to play his way into top one, top two, top three draft pick in the NFL draft. If you fancy yourself that, I'm sorry, you've got to be a little bit better at dealing with criticism because, yes, there are going to be mouth breathers who are rude. There are going to be people who are on social media who are saying, fuck Spencer Rattler, fuck this kid, bench him. And, yeah, ignore those people. As hard as that might be at times, it's hard for me at times. And look, I'm not Spencer Rattler. I'm not that important or popular. But plenty of people will tell me that I'm an idiot. People, plenty of people will get into my mentions and tell me how they feel about me in a negative way in so many words. But uh, sometimes it's easy to ignore it. And other times it's, uh, it's a little bit difficult. But if you fancy yourself an NFL quarterback, number one overall pick, you need to be better at dealing with criticism. Because the other side of the coin is not everybody is rude. You and I are not rude when we're talking about Spencer Rattler. Like we, we hold him accountable to his talent, to what he says of himself, and then essentially what the position of being QB1 at the University of Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, what that means. So you're held to like three tiers of a standard. And when we criticize him, it's just because he's not doing it. None of us have said that he needs to be benched. Nobody that runs an OU podcast that I listen to has called for him to be benched in a serious matter. So... If you just want your if you want your life to be consumed by the mouth breathers, then so be it. But you're just going to show that you're immature. And when we're talking about maturity, immaturity with a 19 year old, like, yeah, it's a little silly because he's 19 years old, but you are QB1 at OU on a national title contending team. We need that maturity to be there. So that's and and he's 21 and and 21 or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, reaching out to people and DMs like, I covered him every single day. I mean, I, I know this offense pretty, I think, pretty well. Whenever they run new stuff, I could pick up on it pretty quick. Like, there's just – there's still a, a level of maturity he's got to reach. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I sit there as – if you're evaluating him, right, as a – like, that's not a red flag. But it's like, come on. Like, like, just don't say that. Like, right, there was times during Baker during that second year where he kind of said the same shit to the Cleveland media. And it's like, bro, like, that's, yeah. you're, not help, you're not helping the situation. Like, you're not – like, you. there's all the people that know what you're watching, all the people that do know what they're watching are literally saying the same exact thing you said just a second ago. You're making two to three poor decisions. You've made two or three poor decisions. You've made two or three really bad throws. And – just watch the film, correct it, go out there and go do it and go prove it. And now he's brought the spotlight onto him for this weekend, Brady, where I, I feel like this is a, a moment in time in his career where I wouldn't say it's a, I wouldn't say it's a crossroads, but he's played well in two games, three games, four. If you want to include Kansas State last year, Sands the one pick, the bad pick he threw uh, in the, the, he threw right to the corner, whatever. Oh, and the overthrow. But 
he's played well in four games. I mean, five, if you want to include the Cotton, the Cotton Bowl, right? Talking Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU Tech. And he really didn't play well after that, after Sawson Stogner got hurt. Hasn't played well to start this year or up to his, not well, but up to his standard, right? Which is what we're talking about. So it's time to go prove it. And like, for me, from my perspective, like I sit here and I listen to this, I think he deserves all the criticism for that quote. I think that when you're the leader of this team, you should be of any team, a business, corporation, whatever it may be, like you've got to at least act in a certain way, right? In terms of like, how are people going to follow you? And like, people don't want to follow a person that into the, uh, you know, what Fox's foxhole, right? No one wants to follow you that if, if you haven't proven that you can go in there and take care of business and he's done it twice. I mean, really twice. So this is a, a big spotlight yeah. for him this weekend. National television, uh, good, uh, really good defense that's going to apply some pressure on him. He's going to have an opportunity. We're about to get into West Virginia. They're going to play a bunch of loose coverage, and we'll see. But I'm with you. I I don't – I didn't I, – and I told – heck, I, Eddie's the one that asked the question. He's the one that put it up the video first. And I texted him about it. I was like, I'm not a fan of the first part of the quote. The second part, that tells me – Lincoln has sat down with him and been like, listen, dude, <laughs> stop but, doing this. Stop doing the, that. The two or three throws a game. No, and, and, but him, him like talking you through like what he's doing wrong. Like he was very defensive and combative to the critics, critics thing. And yeah. then like, and then he laid out exactly what he's doing wrong and has to improve upon. And like, we just haven't heard that from him. Right. I think I said in the in the message I said to you is like this is a, the money quote or something like that. Like this is the that, thing that's that I'm the focusing thing. on. That's the thing is that's why it, that first part of that quote is kind of even lands worse than just the sentence on paper because he's admitting that yeah, I've not played well. But by the way, if you tell if you say out loud that I've not played well, it's gonna hurt my feelings. Sure. There's not there's nothing wrong with I mean, obviously like if if I sucked on a podcast and someone tweeted me and said that podcast sucked, it still hurt my feelings, even though I'd be like, yeah, I fucking suck. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with like starting that quote off with, I don't care about outside noise. That's fine. You know, and then move on. You know, what I care about is what my coaches and what my teammates tell me and what we talk about behind closed doors. Nothing wrong with that. That could have been fine. I mean, the other part of that entire quote is what I just brought up a little bit ago. Uh, the, the two or three throws a game. Like if you just take away two or three bad throws a game, we're fine. That's kind of another troubling thing with me, dude. And maybe I'm looking way too hard into this, looking too deep into the, just, you know, stuff that players say to media members when they're just kind of half like care, they half care or whatever. I mean, they happened. The two or three bad throws a game happened. And I think cleaning stuff up like that, I think that that, in order for that to actually apply, I think that you need to clean that up during the game. If you're having to clean it up between games, like from one game going into the next, until you prove that you can clean that up correctly, consistently, that's just what you are. You're just going to be a quarterback that makes mistakes like that. And last year was so odd for a handful of reasons. You laid out how many games he's actually played very well and the games last year where he didn't really play up to par, even though OU still was successful. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't like having that little, oh, we're fine. Like, I'll clean that up. 
It's like, well, how come you didn't do it already? You're, it's not like you're playing a conference opponent that is well prepared for you. Now, the talent. Uh, now, they there. were well prepared for Oklahoma, though. I, I'm, not, I'm not making any excuses. I was just saying that. It, clearly, those teams were very well prepared when they came into Norman. Well, of course. Well, you've got to have that understanding if you're Spencer Rattler or if you're Lincoln Riley. Everybody is out to get you, especially this year. Especially this year. You're everybody's fucking Super Bowl. Like one of the reasons why it's it's exciting to move to the SEC is because yes, every team that's on OU schedule will want to beat OU. And it will be a big game for a lot of those programs because a lot of them haven't played OU recently, or it's just kind of the first time in a long time they've played OU. But really, if you think about it, it's not everybody's fucking Super Bowl in that conference. Whereas Kansas State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Baylor. Iowa State, even even though they're kind of good, Oklahoma State especially, everybody is like, we can go three and eight, three and seven or whatever. But if we just beat Oklahoma, we can tell our grandkids about it, and the season is wonderful. Like that that sucks, but you need to have that understanding if you're Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler that everybody is going to play their best game against you, and your job is to make it so that that doesn't matter. And it shouldn't matter that Nebraska played a great game offensively and somewhat defensively. It shouldn't have mattered. Oh, you no, still should have won. They play, I don't even think they played that good. Like, that's what makes the Nebraska game even worse. And you know, defensively, like that. defensively, I, I'll agree. But I mean, I still can't forget the fact that out of what 26 Adrian Martinez passes, five of them hit the ground. So to me, that's like they played very well offensively because I would not have predicted that. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I would have if I would have known that they were going to rush three 50% of the time. And like, there was just things. Anyway, I wanted to, before we wrap up the Rattler thing, I like the, the biggest thing for me, like, and you're talking about this and like, I guess this would be my spiel on it because as I alluded to, I mean, kids was in my DMs last year at one point, right? Like I covered him in high school to a certain extent. I think I know him and his family at least a little bit. Well, like I think the, and this is my spin, I guess on it is that like, you have to acknowledge that problem first and like we can sit here and watch the tape and both of us know because what what we do like we know those issues like he wasn't seeing the corner like the corner didn't bite on the running back at all right like the corner didn't bite he slid back on the other one the linebacker didn't bite on the running back he slid back and like i think you have to acknowledge that like i'm and i'm cool with that like i i think that when he's young like I, I use that term again like very loosely like again he's heading into his 15th 16th game in college I, I i think it's important for him to basically admit that he doesn't have it all figured out like because he clearly doesn't i mean he clearly yeah. doesn't i mean we we can what we can if he was right in the zoom with us we could pull up three plays this year and i could break it down in front of all three of us and ask him why and he would say the same exact thing he told the media what yesterday so, you know, I, I think acknowledging that's important. And I think we both agree on this. Go ball out this weekend then. Yeah. There's going to be ample opportunity. There is going to be, a, we're about to get into this. There's going to be ample opportunity for him to do that. Yeah. I just, I mean, my hope as an OU fan is that I just hope that there is a level that Spencer Rattler can reach higher than what he's shown. And that these first few games have just been rusty for a lot of reasons, not just because of him. Right. That, he will flip the switch because the talent suggests that he will. But I mean, Landry Jones's individual talent off the charts in terms of his ability to throw the football downfield and make all the throws. But after watching him play, you know, 
15, 20 games, you kind of get the picture that, okay, this is just, this is just what he is. So I hope that I don't get on the podcast Saturday night, early Sunday morning and go, guys, is this just what Spencer Rattler is? If that's the case. Yeah. 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 I will say like, there are still some, you know, like I think fans like talking about like improvising and like through progressions and stuff. Like, I mean, there is a level there, like, no, like that's not right. I mean, as I pointed out, like the fact that he knew he had to get space to make that throw to Mike Woods on the corner, like in the first drive or whatever. And then the sidestepping the blitzer and then finding Drake Stoops downfield immediately. Like there's just not. Yeah. I, I still lean more like in that direction. Yeah. No, no, no. Just... Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, it just, for me, it's frustrating. Right. And you know this about me. And this is why I was mad. The Iowa state post game last year about the offensive line, because it's like, see it and you and I can show it to you and you can see it and we all understand the problems that shouldn't like I my saying it my thing has always been and you know it's about it's like that shouldn't be a thing for them at this point like and it just shouldn't like if we can see it they can see it we all can see the issue and and, and point it out like I, I don't think that again that it should be a problem which is like what I said like I shouldn't be able to call plays out in the press box more than five times a game or in sitting with y'all. I mean, you know this. When the, they ran the Marvin Mims play on Saturday, or last Saturday, I was like, I literally tapped Peyton Guthrie on the shoulder right when it happened, and I was like, it's not going to be there. He's got to understand that. So, anyways, yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of it, Brady, as an evaluator of, like, him, like, moving forward, especially amongst this quarterback class. Like, he better pick it up. The crowd train's coming, coming through. And it's not slowing down. The lane train's not slowing down anytime soon. If he wants to be QB1, it starts this weekend. And then it, it goes in the next weekend. These are two games that should really test him upstairs too crazily. And then go win your first big game uh, that you're going to be stressed upstairs badly against Texas. And then you have Dave Aranda and you have John Heacock, Jim Knowles to finish the year. He's already tore up Gary Patterson. I'm not too worried about that. Lincoln shows up for that game for whatever reason. Yeah. But – you're going to have a Ronda, you're going to have Heacock, you're going to have Knowles and Heacock, more than likely, in your final four games if you're Spencer Rattler. Those are four games that upstairs he should be mentally exhausted after the game from how much he's going to have to process and understand and get guys into protections and all sorts of fun stuff. But regardless, he's got to go do it this weekend, Brady, and it's a uh, great opportunity for Oklahoma. But it, as you know for me, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher test um, than maybe what some – I don't know. It's 17 and a half point, 17 and a half point line. Uh, it, I, I feel comfortable with where that line's at. I think it'll be a pretty good game. Yeah. Like you say the point spread and I've already kind of gone through and said a handful of times that, yeah, I'm not going to assume that they're going to hit their ceiling until they actually do. But here, the funny thing about how the season's gone, not just for OU, but around college football, if OU, especially in a 630 game prime time, and I think Herb Street and Fowler are calling this game. Holly Rowe is going to be on the sideline. So it's, you know, a high profile game. If OU goes out there and covers that spread and looks good doing it, people are just going to forget about the first three games. They're going to be like, oh, here they are. Like that, that's how, that's where OU is. And that's why it's frustrating to see them just kind of pussyfoot around or make mistakes, mental mistakes, not put it all together at the same time. Like we know that they can. That's what makes it frustrating because the second they start doing it, oh, okay this is one of the best teams, if not the most talented team in the country. You just hope that it doesn't happen classically like it has done or happened in the past after a loss. 
So that's that's what this challenge against West Virginia presents is that hey, just erase all that shit in non-conference. Like people won't matter. It won't matter. Um, OU fans will be able to really appreciate the Nebraska game and go, oh, 23 to 16. That's a classic OU Nebraska score. No, you won, right? Let's forget the fact that Nebraska lost to Illinois, who lost to UTSA. And who else they lose to? That's it. In Oklahoma. They're one and three. No, 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 no. They played uh they played Buffalo. They beat Buffalo, beat Fordham, lost to Illinois, lost to Oklahoma. Those are their uh, first four games. Whatever. And they're gonna but, lose to Michigan State this weekend. Well, let's let's start, you know, with the West Virginia thing. Let's start with Oklahoma on defense because we already talked about Spencer Rattler. Uh, but the easy easy place to go is like two two things really. They're running back uh, was it Letty Brown, Letty Brown or whatever. And then the fact that West Virginia is going to use two quarterbacks, and Neil Brown already said that in his uh, opening press conference this week. Uh, Garrett Green is the backup quarterback. And the Duke can run very well against Virginia Tech. He averaged, what, seven, eight yards per carry. And, I mean, if any recent history is to kind of base that off of, I hope we don't see a lot of the same kind of idea of we're just going to let, like, try to beat us with your arm because Adrian Martinez damn near did. I don't know how good Garrett Green is as a passer, but you know when uh, Daigie is, when Jared Daigie is back there, they're just going to pin their ears back and bull rush the hell out of that statue. And they'll have a lot of success doing it, even without, unfortunately, Jalen Redmond for at least another three or four weeks, which, you know, Keegan, we talked about that at the tail end of the podcast on Wednesday as we saw that rumor, and now it's somewhat official. Has OU actually announced that it happened, or is it still a report? It'll be – Lincoln will talk about it after the game on Saturday. I mean, I, I'm, if we – again, if it, we kind of understood what the injury was. We didn't know a timetable or – anything but shout I was out to, happy uh, Ryan Chapman and our boys at uh, SI yeah. Sooners. It was very happy to see that reported timetable because it was much better than I anticipated. The, the bad thing is, is that if that's true, he's missing obviously this week and you know the big thing is he's missing Texas. So uh but if there's one position where oh you can afford to lose a guy for a few <laughs> yeah. games, it's defensive it's the defensive line, but man it sucks because we we talked for about 10 minutes on that podcast about how awesome Jalen Redmond's been. Bless that kid. Phenomenal, man. Bless that kid's heart. He's not been able to really catch a break with his health, but um, hopefully he's okay in good spirits and able to come back fairly quickly. But uh, getting Billy Bowman back, I I really wonder if if OU does get in a position where they have to like, all right, beat us with your arm. If West Virginia decides to go full in on the running quarterback, I wonder if having Billy Bowman back helps that because having Justin Broyles on the field hurts for a lot of reasons i would feel much better about what i'm trying to allude to if woody washington was also 100 for this game uh because i i think woody washington is awesome but i'm truly curious like what ou decides to do according to what west virginia tries to do well and i, I think the I, I said this on some radio this week and i think i even talked about it yesterday morning but like if woody washington's out like that hurts but corners in another position you feel pretty confident in with Jane Davis and DJ Graham and uh, Latrell McCutcheon, Justin Harrington. Those guys have all shown pretty good stuff so far. Um, DJ Graham obviously with the big interception. Did get beat. He was looking for the ball, though. We haven't even talked about this. He was at least looking for the ball. Who, DJ like, Graham? Yeah, like he got caught ball hawking and didn't play the man and got beat deep on that go route. Yeah. Against, uh, against Nebraska. But well, 
I just, he he had the interception at the end of that drive, so he had what you want out of. Was that the same back. drive? Yeah, I didn't he, know that. I didn't realize he, that he had what you want out of a defensive back because you're gonna get beat, no matter like no matter how good you are, you're gonna get beat. But have a short memory. Don't let it snowball on you. So that was, you know, kind of a that was buried under the layers of awesome that was that interception. But I did kind of that did cross my mind of like, hey, that's how you, that's how you know that you're somewhat of a special player at least at this point early on in his career that he gets beat on the biggest play of the game for Nebraska. And then he's like, no, I'm going to make up for that. Yeah. And so I don't think like losing at corner is a huge deal, but whether it's Broyles or Cordell, which have, I know, have you watched the film review yet? Yes. And okay. Mm-hmm. So you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah. Um, so like that just can't, that stuff can't happen. Um, against a good team that Nebraska won't be the flash team. You'll see it a lot this week with West Virginia. They're going to go empty a lot, not a, and they're going to go empty, and it's going to be uncomfortable for Oklahoma. I'm going to label this week as the stress test for the scheme, Brady. Not because I think they're going to have a, a bad game plan this week, not because of anything, but the three things that have really screwed with Oklahoma. Going empty, if you can go empty against them and, and, and specifically have a good running back. If you run a ton of RPOs, West Virginia does that. And – Three, if you motion a ton and you run out of it, do whatever. Those three things have really hurt Grinch, not just at Oklahoma, but times before at Washington State, just because of how aggressive his defense is. So this will be kind of a stress test weekend for the back seven of that second, the, in the second, especially in the secondary and the linebackers, which, as Brady told me earlier today, great linebackers. <laughs> yeah. So um, it will be a good stress test for him. I, I, I think that. West Virginia, when, if you're talking about Garrett Green and the, and the offense, we haven't seen him pass it, so I'm assuming that we'll see him throw the football this week. Uh, don't know why they would continue to get him on the field and just run it. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll know quickly if OU's in for a long day if he throws the ball and it's not terrible. Yeah, it's like If no he doubt. shows a competent arm, it's just like, oh, please, offense, just outscore them. So West Virginia's tackles are bad. Center and right guard are pretty good. They run the football behind those two guys pretty well up the middle. Um, left guard's okay, but the tackles are not good. Um, this should be a really good weekend for both Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito uh, and anybody else that comes in. Those guys have problems with speed and have problems with some physicality. I mean, it's it's not good. So, you know, I, I think this is a this is an opportunity. I, I and not just for the players, but you you've heard me harp on Grinch for three weeks now, maybe longer than that. I don't know. But this is a great opportunity. I mean, if Green's in or if Daigie's in. Like, I don't feel like they need to change their defense. Just get your four guys, have Benito rush a lot. Don't drop them into coverage too much or spy the quarterback. Let your best pass rusher pass rush. Let him be a play at the line of scrimmage and do some things. And I think if they can play their base defense, they don't get too stretched out whenever they motion. Like, Brady, they'll even start with Letty Brown in the backfield or a tight end on the line of scrimmage, and then they'll motion out of that into empty and get five wide and it's it's an uncomfortable i mean don't get me wrong like it is as a defensive coordinator it, can, it and as a defense it can be uncomfortable so uh it'll be a good stress test for them but i think if they just play their main defense man like i said last week let these guys up front pin their ears back and get after it let Samoa and and, and Guaybu play a little more free I, I i think it could be a good weekend for this defense but i do worry about the rpo game i do worry about the quick passing game some of it I do worry about covering the running back out of the backfield. 
Like Letty Brown's out of the backfield. He catches a ton of passes out of the backfield. So um, it's, it's a stress test, right? Like I, I'm not concerned, but I, I do want to note that, that we're going to know pretty early in this game, whether if West Virginia has the horses to be able to run the RPO game. Um, and I think we're going to learn a lot in this early in this game, Brady, uh, if this defense can go a whole season, they've kind of been exposed against Tulane at times um, whenever they play their base stuff, right. in the RPO game, we'll see like this week will be a great stress test that, if Kansas State's going to do it, if West Virginia has success with it, Texas is going to do it, if West Virginia has success with it. So I think it's a great opportunity for Oklahoma, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, opportunities is another word for – I will use another week um, for Oklahoma. But it's a stress test for the secondary, Brady, in the back seven. And like I said, I think I think that presents a, a great opportunity for Grinch and this defense to not pick themselves up off the floor, not saying they've played bad at all. They've actually played relatively well. Uh, considering what we've seen for the last five years, but it's time for them to play great. And I'll say the same thing about the offense. Yeah. And that's the odd thing. Like there have been times where the defense has played frustratingly, not bad, but they've just been kind of frustrating. But I, I've not once felt like even against Tulane, when Tulane started scoring, I did never, I never once thought in that game that this reminds me of something. I don't think so. Um, because I do remember kind of mentioning on that post game pod of like, yeah, Tulane started scoring, but the offense didn't do the defense any help. This is a team game. And when you don't score or you don't capitalize off turnovers, you don't capitalize and you kick field goals, long field goals after a three play drive, after the defense got, got you the ball, well, they're going to be tired. So I've never once thought that this like, oh, this giving up a long third down. Oh, that reminds me of Mike Stoops. It's none of that crap. None of that stuff. So don't worry. With that being said, I guess I feel a little bit more optimistic about the defense really showing its capability compared to the offense. Even though I know the offense has, if if they score 55 points Saturday and OU wins handily, like that would not shock any of us because it's like, okay, welcome to the show, Oklahoma. I'm glad you, glad you got to make it. But with the defense, I think the only real test is just the linebackers because even they, they have not played bad but they've left a lot of meat on the table where you're just thinking like, Hey, this defense could have already been great after three games. If you guys just didn't get lost in the trash when guys are crossing, uh, if you don't think twice about an assignment for a split second, give that guy an extra little footing. Um, Brian Asimo, you've talked about him time and time again, the last handful of podcasts, um, just little last things freaking here. year, man. <laughs> yeah. Every I mean, game since last year, it, it's been, one week since you looked at me. No, it's it's um it's not been bad, but the linebackers, this is a it's a great opportunity for Oklahoma. It's a great test for Oklahoma, but the linebackers, this is like their biggest showcase of we are not going to be the weak link of anything. That we we can absolutely bring something to the table, and here's why. It is. I Brian Odom, sure we'll we'll know Saturday night if he retweets something after the game. Yeah, if... you study your Greek philosophy, kids. <laughs> that was uh... funny. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. And uh, we'll know if they played well, if there's a retweet out of something after the game uh, Saturday night, but it is, it's a, it's a great opportunity uh, for them. It's a great opportunity for Grinch to show off that this won't, this, this can't and won't be an issue for them. Uh, and I think it's a great opportunity. You talk about safeties, like the line the safeties are the same way here. I mean, if they're going to play man coverage this week and you're going to get a bunch of mesh and you're going to get a bunch of other crazy stuff thrown at you, um, 
Safeties have to play well. They got to be disciplined. They got to come up whenever when 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 West Virginia wants to go split and go two by two and get a single running back in and you know just a running back in the backfield. The safeties are going to have to be a fit. It's in the run game. Like they're going to have to play well. So it's a, it's a great opportunity for them. I do feel a little bit like you, Brady, because I feel like at times, like if Oklahoma really wants to clamp down and play press man coverage and just take away basically all the quick game for them, uh, Jared Dagey is going to have to be good. And we've seen enough, I think, to understand that if West Virginia's tackles can't block Isaiah Thomas or Nick Benito, like he's going to be in for a long, long day. I do feel a little bit like that, but I know before we swing this back over the offense, but I, I, I feel like this, not a sense of worry, Brady, you know, like not worried about it, but like I've seen this go wrong before whenever a team wants to do this. We saw it in week one and not concerning, but it, I mean, West Virginia watches the tape like we, we do. So it's uh. I'm sure they're going to test Oklahoma and stress them out in the same ways that a lot of teams have tried to do Grinch so far. I mean, we'll see. I, I, I'm not going to assume. I'm going to, I'm going to try my best. Like I'm on a don't assume cleanse now. Like the Mike Stoops cleanse worked wonders for my mental health and my uh, just everything. My, uh, my chakra is in a good, I don't know what, the, I mean, some yoga thing, but I'm at peace. So I need to be at peace with, Oklahoma football expectations in 2021. So uh, do you, you want to go safeties? You want to go D line or do you want to switch over to the offense? I think we've covered the, what West Virginia is going to throw at him. I mean, screen game, RPO game, empty a lot, motioning, motioning guys to try to reveal your coverage uh, and know where the hell Letty Brown's at. I mean, Brady, when you watch the West Virginia film uh, scout for tomorrow, that's going to be up later tonight. Like you're going to hear me say it. Like if four is lined up as a receiver, they're going to be throwing a screen to him, or he's going to, or if Ford's lined up in the backfield, he could run out of the backfield and catch a pass. Classically, like just know where he's at. Classically, who is responsible for that? For that, just a, a typical running back out Line, of the backfield. Uh, linebackers, well, like a Guaybu, or just any of them, like whoever's closest. And, and whatever side, yeah, whatever side they're on, typically, like yeah. If, if a Guaybu and the running back are lined up on the same side, it'll be a Guaybu. Sometimes it'll be a safety. Like if they're in cover zero, if they're in man straight up across the board, it could be a safety. So, but it'll be a, it'll be an awesome Moa thing for sure. Like I know where your head's at. Like it'll, this will be a, a real good opportunity for him and a great matchup with Brown. Could this be, and I don't think you've highlighted this and I, I don't really expect you to, but I mean, how many snaps a game has Caleb Kelly played? Too uh, many? Too many? Okay, because I was going to ask, like, would this be a good little show-out game for Caleb Kelly? I just don't know, like, I guess, like, I, I feel the same way about that, like, honestly, maybe more than what you feel about with Justin Broyles, like, despite the fact that I've seen too many times Broyles get beat, but, like, <laughs> I mean, Caleb, like, I like Caleb Kelly. No, I, great, I, I know. Great kid, I, all that fun stuff, you know? Uh, you got to say that. You always got to preface that first, right? Before you, you don't know who's listening. Before you're like, I hope he just, uh, I hate him. I hate his kids. I hate everything about him. But he's a good Clayton kid. Smith's on the sideline. That's my thing. That's it. Does that change this Saturday? I don't know. After the, if, unless Clayton Smith's hurt after that first game, I don't know what, I don't know what well, it's going to take so long. Here's my one question prediction for you for this game. And then you can tell me if this would be good or bad according to your answer. It's Patrick Fields, the leading tackler in this game. Just think about how good he's been in run support. He's been very good at run support this year. 
Damn, that's a good question. That's one of the best <laughs> questions you've asked. I, I'll say, man, that's close to a yes because he's gonna. I mean, they're gonna be. He's gonna be asked to do a lot in the run game. Crash down, Saturday. crash down, crash down. Look for that. Look for that motherfucker out of the backfield and just hit him. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna be asked to do a lot. Like, it wouldn't be. Straight, it wouldn't shock me. Let me, of course, because I never, I never give you a straight answer. Either safety, if they were the leading tackler in this game, I wouldn't be shocked. I've not noticed DTY this year, except for Tulane, where he just had a very bad. He had an A characteristic tackling game. Like he, yeah. I don't really know what DTY is as a player overall, but I do think that he's a very good tackler when he gets. He's got a draftable grade, FYI. I don't, which is kind of weird, but I've been told that I the so he had a bad tackling game again last year, where he just could. Was it the Iowa State game last year? That he just struggled like coming up and run fit in run fits, if I remember correctly. The first Iowa State game, I don't remember DTY tack trying to tackle. That was Trey Norwood. Trey Norwood missed like two Pat, or three Pat tackles Fields. in the backfield. Pat Fields had the most missed that that night. Uh not a good night. Was not a good night for him. But ah. I uh no, I I would I would anticipate that though. I mean, again, if they're gonna be motioning some guys out and getting the linebackers spread out, like those safeties are gonna have to be good in the run game. Billy Bowman's gonna have to be good in the run game. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me. It like, I, that's a really good question. I, I I don't know if like, if you gave me like an over of like Pat Fields, seven and a half tackles, I probably would take the over. Yeah. I mean, what Deshaun White had 10 tackles and he led all Sooners and nine or 10, I think. Yeah. Against Nebraska. Danny Stutzman against West Carolina had eight, but that's just because, and he led the team, but that's just because a thousand players played that night on defense. So there's just a lot to go around, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, should we do a special teams preview because they've saved OU's ass twice already in three games? Not necessarily a special teams preview. Note that Winston Wright, the returner for West Virginia, uh, the star receiver for them, as well as their returner, good, good guy in special teams. They're, they're going to have to be really like kickoff, kickoff and kickoff team punt team this week are going to be pretty good uh because they can they they've gained a lot of those in bet those invisible yards right they've gained yeah. a lot of those this year behind winston Wright in the kickoff and punt game so special teams will be big i mean and west virginia's given up some big kickoffs and punts so um i mean it's going to be a that's going to be a big part of the game saturday i just don't know i i, I don't know kickoff return philosophy brady Tackle the sun. Sit here with a straight face, and (laughs) I can't sit here with a straight face and tell you like what they would need to do. I just know that Winston Wright's a really good football player, and if he catches a kickoff, like, and it's not a kick, it's on a touchback, like there is a chance he could break off a big one. We'll see. Stay in your lanes and do your job. Uh, Offense against West Virginia's defense. Everybody knows about the Stills kid, and anytime you've got a really good defensive lineman, that doesn't just mean that it's just him and then a whole bunch of nobodies because you account for that guy so hard in in practice and scouting and then in the game, well, then other players are going to be able to feed off of that. They're going to be able to gather up some numbers, gather up some stats because they're not getting doubled. So it's just kind of the natural order of things. So is there anybody else that could potentially take advantage of that against somebody on Oklahoma's offensive line? Because the other side of this coin is, Andrew Rame has to start. He absolutely has to start just from the standpoint of if OU is still trying to find its way in this game, the longer Rame is in the game, then the quicker the offensive line can gel and work through things. And then once they gel, everything should then fall into place for the offense. And it's really just up to Spencer Rattler. Don't fuck this up, please. 
let's let's focus on something real quick. Hate to go maybe bridge to a different place because it does fall in line with this defense, Brady. This will be the most physical team that Spencer Rattler's faced. They're gonna come and they're gonna they're gonna hit and they're gonna hit and they're gonna hit. It's it, I I don't I don't know why from coach to coach to coach at West Virginia they all have the same attitude and play the same way, but they're gonna hit. They're gonna talk a lot of shit and they're very physical. They're a very physical defense, and those are the guys that are gonna want to send a message on every single snap. So. Keep that in mind. I don't know if I want to throw back to you for an opinion here, but this won't be a game that is not an atypical West Virginia game. They're going to be in your face. They're going to come in and they're going to want to, like, you know, Gus Johnson jokingly said Nebraska won a street fight last week on the broadcast. I don't know if you've re- reheard that, yeah. but no, West Virginia is coming in and they're going to want, this defense is going to want blood. Like they're physical. Like they, we can get into the, the other stuff here in a second, but Whenever you watch them play defense, you can tell that the attitude of this West Virginia team, they don't give a – they don't care if it's Oklahoma. They don't care if it's Bowling Green. They don't care if it's Long Island. They don't care about anything. They just want to they, – they want to come in and hit. They're going to talk shit. I mean, I know that's West Virginia from a past, but just be ready for that and don't be surprised. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, the interesting thing when you're talking about that with West Virginia is classically – since they've been in the Big 12, OU and West Virginia have often tried to get real physical with each other, and OU has just left West Virginia in the dust every single time. Every single time. Maybe that's what this team needs, Brady. Well, Maybe they need someone to come in and really punch them in the mouth. The question is, is does OU just simply have the mojo on West Virginia like that, or was that just kind of a Dana Holgerson thing? <laughs> uh, I mean, I would... Don't get me wrong. I, I love me some Dana Holgerson, but... I want to be groomed in the deep heart of Louisiana, opposed to Lubbock, Texas. I'm a little more free. I'm a, I'm a little more scared of uh, than the guy out in Lubbock. So I'm talking sure. about Neil Brown and Troy. I, no, Troy's in. Uh, I think they're in Louisiana, right? If it's the University of Troy, maybe it's Alabama or Mississippi, but somewhere down there in deep somewhere. South. I, yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I don't know. It, it's carried over from team to team, man. Like they always do this. They've always been this way. Like my entire. <laughs> Like I can think about whenever they were in the Big East and they played those whole they were they acted the same way. So it's just a West Virginia thing, I guess. Like, but it is very, I mean, what if it's for me to note this, it is very noticeable. Like they're gonna be there's gonna be cheap shots on Saturday, there's gonna be this, there's gonna be that. Like, don't be surprised by that. Uh, that's just West Virginia football. God, that dog. Love it. <laughs> yeah, a little uh trying to jump on the podcast over here. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess it's just another time where OU really like the, the, the effort, the energy. I mean, it's a night game. So there you go. Check that box. And if West Virginia truly wants to be like overtly physical with you, it's just like, well, okay, you're, you're still better than them. You're still Oklahoma. So uh, if they're going to challenge your manhood, then um, inspiration to play football uh, should not be lacking for this one. So I guess that's a good thing that it no. could potentially wake up Oklahoma. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. Like this, that like when I'm trying to think some reverse psychology crap here with OU, like, like it could be a good thing. Like Brad, like OU did the thing at the midfield last week, and they were the ones to talk talk trash to Nebraska players. You know, like West yeah. Virginia is going to be the one that does it this week. Like they're like you step in the ring with one of with a guy at West Virginia, like he's going to want to take your freaking head off. So let's get okay. So you asked me about the offense. I 
or what the offense did of the defense. Uh, Akeem Mesador, you're going to have to remember that name, number 90, defensive tackle. He'll line up as a nose over the center and a zero technique. And Jordan Jefferson alongside Dante Stills. Those three can go. Man, it's been weird. Like, that. it's been a recurring theme. I put that out on Twitter, and I know someone was shocked for me to talk about Tulane like that, but it was apparent that day that those guys backed up what we saw on tape um, with the uh, 77, 94, and, and 95 that day. So this is the third game for them. This would be a good test for the interior offensive line, which speaks to what you said about Andrew Rain. He's more violent. He's a more physical player. Um, he's got to fine tune. It looks like some stuff in the schemes and, 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 under, and getting you comfortable in the offense. But he does suit you better for this week because Dante Stills is violent. PFF's grades, Brady. This is why, like, it's hard to, to chart and, like, post stuff that's on your own and, like, whatever when things are so drastically different. Like, Dante Stills' grades on PFF are not good, like, for what I would think. And it's like – I go back and watch the two games I watched today, and it's like, am I watching a completely different game? Like, he's throwing dudes around. Like, he's getting double teamed, and he's still getting – like, he is a really good football player, and Mesador and Jefferson are reaping the benefits, as you said. So, the edges are not good. Uh, you can beat them on the edges. Outside zone stuff will be works. Maybe getting some two back this week and, and have Kenny Brooks as a lead blocker for Eric Gray on a handoff. That'd be pretty cool uh, if they could pull that out of their hat. Maybe the pitch counts off this week or the security or safety. So who knows? Uh, defensively in the secondary, I think this is the area that will pique your interest. I think it'll pique everybody's interest, Brady. They run a lot of cover three. They run a lot of quarters. And that zone is loose and beatable. I mean, this is a – again, if Spencer's going to talk shit this week, right, which uh, how a lot of people, and even me included, kind of took that, there's going to be ample opportunity for Lincoln to open this thing up, for Spencer to attack it. Uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for that. And I think that if you are going to find something that maybe a, a sense of, you know, that bright light at the end of the tunnel – if Oklahoma can deal with West Virginia, especially those defensive tackles, there's going to be opportunity to throw the football wherever they want this week for the most part. They're going to be able to get matchups on the safeties. They're going to be able to do this. They're going to be able to do that. Now, to your point about assuming, right, I can assume and feel better about what the defense is going to do despite everything I said earlier about my concerns. I can feel better about that because I'm more comfortable with the guys that have performed on that side of the ball. I don't – trust Spencer Rattler to be able to dissect this defense. I don't, I don't trust Lincoln to open this thing up completely. Right. Like I don't expect like the running backs need to be on the field together. Like I, I don't expect any of the, you know, I can't assume any of that because we haven't seen it. So I feel confident that they see what I see. Right. And what you'll see and what our patrons will see with West Virginia and then the scout for this week. But until it happens, I guess, like you said, like they can go out and score 55. I wouldn't be surprised. They could come out and score 34, yep. and I wouldn't be surprised. But if they come out and score 34, that means they're trying to run the ball at the middle too much. Like, there's no need for that this week. Like, give credit to these guys. They can play. Like, they're they're all NFL guys, like, more so than what they've faced so far. So, do that. They've got a ton of stuff they can work in the, in the screen game that should work. Stuff downfield should work. No better opportunity. And I, we mentioned opportunity, right? No, no better opportunity than this week. And for them to really open this thing up, um, especially it's in conference play and a common opponent that knows your stuff. Nebraska and Tulane were prepared for it. West Virginia will certainly be prepared for it. Time to open this thing up. And like I said, it's going to be a good opportunity. I mean, the absolute hope is that Oklahoma's non-conference 
you know, three or four weeks from now, we kind of just view it as that was their preseason. And they absolutely needed a preseason of some type to work out kinks, to get guys going, to find out combinations of guys to reward players who practice hard and set set the stage, set the tone for what this season should be from a coaching perspective for the players. Like that's the hope. And that's what West Virginia represents as the beginning, the re-beginning, the second beginning of the season. So when you say they run quarters, all I think of, and maybe I'm completely wrong with this, but is this going to be another game where we just forget Marvin Mims exists? No, 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 no. You'll see it in the film review. So like they play, their DBs are really aggressive and they bite on open receivers. Like even if it's not like what they probably should be doing. The example I'll give. So Maryland, they had a big touchdown late in the game. Uh, they ran it. They had two right receivers on the left side. One of them ran an out route. So quarters coverage, right? Or cover or even a loose, deeper cover four. That corner is supposed to be playing deep in the deep fourth of the field. And that's his zone. Don't leave it. But he bit on the out route, and then they ran a corner route from the inside guy. And the safety that was trying to cover the middle fourth, right, or the the whatever, um, getting into deep math here. But he ran a post route, and there was no one there. So it's loose, man. They they're so their DBs are so aggressive to jump on routes. Um, they can really take advantage of that. So like I'm thinking, you know, white cross, right? Like Marvin Mims some most times like lifts behind Stogner running that white cross over the middle of the field. Like those safeties should bite on Stogner and zone coverage. Like they they should be able to run all sorts of stuff to get these safeties and in these corners to bite on it and get a guy in a one-on-one matchup. Should be pretty good. Yeah. And again, I I trust that they see this, right? Like I hate to go like to go there and I let you guys down last week, but like I said the same exact thing last week and it was the same exact that we had seen for the two weeks prior. So not going to assume it, but that's the opportunity that's at hand for Oklahoma this week, especially if they can deal with the defensive tackles inside. They're not a great pass rushing team. Um, They're not, they have a number 10 had two or three sacks against Virginia tech came off the same side, but you know, there's just a lot of opportunity. Like, yeah. I hate to put, keep saying that, but there's just there's so much opportunity this week to have success against a good football team. Like this is the best football team they've played up to this point. Like there's no doubt about it. So um, most complete, I think, would be the best way to say that. So need to go and do it. They got a, another chance this week. So we'll uh, we'll see what they do. I, I do remember during some preseason pod um, as we got closer to the season, where I said, hopefully by game three and four. We've got a good idea who the best receiver in this receiving core is. And if it's Jaden Hazelwood, we should know by going into like West Virginia should be like his coming out party. And obviously I would have preferred it to have been much sooner than that, but he's got two touchdowns, albeit against Western Carolina, but Western Carolina was a good performance. He followed up with a fairly good performance against Nebraska. It's been on like his first three games have been on the low end of successful. I would say. It's been a successful three games considering where he's come from, from the injury and missing so much time, but it's been on the low end. It hasn't been super explosive, five-star, All-American type receiver. Uh, But this, I I see this like in terms of individual players, this is the opportunity for Jaden Hazelwood to really announce himself as one of the best receivers in this conference. And the reason why OU's offense can reach its ceiling is like, oh yeah, Jaden Hazelwood is the baddest motherfucker out there. And what you're saying about West Virginia's defensive philosophy in terms of the back end, it just seems like, okay, they're going to just try and bait Spencer Rattler into certain throws. 
and you might have a, quite a bit of opportunities of like go up and grabbing balls, you know, where it's like, if your receiver's good enough, it won't matter that the defensive back has good coverage, quote unquote. He's just bigger, taller, stronger, bigger hands. It won't matter. Spencer just needs to put it up there for him to grab. So in that, in that vein, very good opportunity for Jaden Hazelwood uh, for that. But I'll switch it over to the running backs real quick. Do we still see a pitch count? Like, do you think that we're still in that part of the season where that should apply? But I mean, they sure as hell better not run them up the middle. Like, something if that even if they struggle, those guys do. Like, that's not a huge deal. I mean, this these are these are good players. Like, if they move Chris Murray and Andrew Raymond and, and uh, Marquise Hayes around at times, like that's not a crazy thing that can happen. These guys are good. So, if there's a pitch count. I hope it's on running it up the middle if you're worried about guys getting hurt, right? Don't have a pitch count throwing it to them. Get screen game. I mean, you've heard me complain, not complain or preach about, get those guys on the field together. Like, let's see what this thing looks like. Because I think that's still they're going to be their best personnel group to put on the field. So I hope not, man. But as you said, and what we continue to say, we can't assume anything. We're going to have a lot better idea – after Saturday about what this team's really about. And I play the clip or drink, whatever it may be. That is says Oklahoma's a really good football team still. Time to go out and prove it. Numbers can lie. Like numbers, numbers can oh. lie a lot at times. And it's uh they need to go out and prove that they're as good as what all the data and what we think they can be from a talent perspective. So on the receivers, Jaden Hazelwood. Brady, you hear me say this all the time on these film reviews. What's the best way to beat cover three and cover four? Underneath them. And there's going to be opportunities underneath for Spencer to make some quick passes. Some of those could be competitive for Hazelwood on third downs, uh, I would assume and anticipate. So as you said, there's going to be opportunity for him to have a a high competitive catch game. But it also could be the same for Mario Williams and and Marvin Mims and, you know, any of the other Austin Stogner, he's going to get hit this week, catching balls over the middle of the field. He's going to get hit hard at times. So it's, uh, we talk about this an opportunity, but Brady, it's a, it's an even wider focus than even this. But, you know, I said, when you do look at some of these lines this weekend across the country, you look at college football at, at large, it is kind of what golf on that third day on that, or on Saturday, on the second day, they call it moving day. In, in the majors and the big tournaments, it's moving day for those guys. Or uh, I believe that maybe, yeah, I think that's the third day. But uh, since we're totally not golf guys here, that's for sure. This is separation week in college football. The teams that are good will go out and cover some of the Iowa State's six and a half point favorite against Baylor. I don't know how that's computed. I don't know anything, I guess, at this point. So, like, this is separation week. And Oklahoma needs to be a part of that. And that's for everybody included. Um, I know, again, focus on wide receivers here, but. It's for everybody included. Jane Hazelwood, you know, you think this is your last year in Norman? Like, there's a great opportunity this week to to, to help make that a reality. Marvin Mims, you've been frustrated. You're going to get balls this week that you haven't gotten the first three weeks. Make your most of your opportunity. So, it's uh, it's one of those weekends. I hate to be coach speaking bland here, Brady, but it really is. Well, I guess let's end it with um, a score prediction. As uh, hard as that can be, and I'm I'm going back and looking at the uh, Google Doc that I put out um, with the preseason scores, my predictions, and yeah, I was fairly wrong on all three of them <laughs> so far. But I look at the West Virginia one that I had a few weeks ago. I I put it at 42-24, which is an 18-point victory. 
So barely covering the spread. I look at that and I'm like, that, that still seems fairly realistic to me, despite my concerns, because I'm still expecting OU to be able to, to turn it on. I'm not expecting them to look amazing until they start doing that, but against West Virginia at home under the lights, enough inspiration, enough effort should all be there. Having enough reps, getting the right guys out there. Like I said earlier, I think OU's closer. I'm leaning more that they're closer to um, exploding. So I'll, I'll defer to Lincoln Riley on that one. So 42-24 is probably looks realistic to me, and that's what I'll stick with. Man, you don't know my score. I didn't know your score. I'm at 41-24. I'll stick by it. I'll go. We oh. can be together this week. We can be together this week. I, I expect West Virginia to have a drive or two that's good, right? Uh, kind of like I said this about the Tulane game. I expect three or four explosive plays to turn into points. So with both of those things added, 24 sounds about right. I do think Oklahoma finds some rhythm in the passing game. So I want to say this first. Yep. If West Virginia, and I hate to, if you, I'm going to go to the of this conversation. If West Virginia will come out and throw a haymaker on offense, some early momentum, I think Oklahoma's in for a dogfight this weekend. I think they're in for a get in the street, get your fist up, let's, play, let's have a fight. So that does concern me a little bit. But I will say, I think Oklahoma will win out in the end in that fight because it's, it's Oklahoma and the, <laughs> the everything, all everything says that, you know, they should do what they need to do. But it worries me. Hey, if West Virginia comes out and sets the town, man, and this team doesn't respond, doesn't and, and say it's a big old haymaker, trick play, whatever it may be early, if, it, if they come out and succeed and they execute on that and they get some early momentum – like that's when we'll learn a lot about this team because if they answer and they respond and they start punching back and they start winning and they start winning more and they start gaining confidence, you don't want to head into Manhattan feeling this way anymore. You don't. Yeah. You, you don't. And because we all know how they're going to react in the first quarter when, and there's 58, 55,000 Kansas going crazy. So that does worry me, Brady, but I'll stick to, I'll be a, we'll be basic bitches on this podcast because that's right on the line, but we do have the over the, the over unders at 57 for this game, by the way. So they oh, wow. would have, yeah, they'd have Oklahoma winning, uh, 37, 37, 22, something in that range, 36, 21, yeah. something like that. Is there 37, 21, 38, 21, something in that range. So see if you follow me real like the last thing I'll, I'll say on this show for today here follow see if you follow me on this one if OU indeed wins like somewhere or in the ballpark of our score predictions 42 24 41 24 I think the best thing for this team uh for the rest of the year is not for the score to kind of be balanced throughout the game of like OU's up 17 nothing then West Virginia bounces back or answers back 17 7 Oh, you kicks a field goal 20 to seven. West Virginia kicks a field goal. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, you gets an early lead, and that's what truly separates them. And they just kind of trade punches back and forth. But it's never really like in doubt that oh, you could potentially win the game or lose the game. I think what would be great for OU is let's just say the offense looks like crap still in the first half. And it's something similar to Nebraska, where oh, you might have a slim lead or they might be have a uh, slow deficit or a slim deficit going into halftime. And then, OU explodes like something clicks 
something was said at halftime, like get your shit together. This, this is not us. We are not going to lose and then learn our lessons. We're going to learn our lessons now and go kick this team's ass. And then they go out there and win 42, 24. I think that that could be something that could be very good and visceral for this team where they could see, Oh, okay. Maybe we should listen to the coaches. Oh, maybe we are that talented. We are this good. Talking season truly is over. So something weird. That's kind of what I, I've thought about because just kind of your normal run of the mill 42-24 victory would be good for some confidence reps, but we would still get on the post game show and go, well, I mean, Kansas State's still a big test, but if something like that dramatic happened, I think we'd all be excited on the post game pod and we'd be very excited for the matchup uh, in Manhattan the next week. I want to see them come out and just punch. I've said this before. Oklahoma's has it in them. We saw it last year, especially in the Big 12 championship game. They have that Bama instinct in them to come out in the first three drives of the game and just throw a, a haymaker that tries to knock the team on the ground and they can coast the rest of the game. Oklahoma has that in them. Like, I want to see that. Like, West Virginia, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, they're going to come in and question your manhood and this and that. Now, maybe Lincoln needs to say that to get some of those guys rolling. But just throw punches, man. Don't, don't let up until the refs tell you to. Um, not seriously, like, throwing punches, people. But oh, like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Um, oh. <laughs> but I would say like, they just need to, they need to be right from the start. Like, I know you're saying like deal with some adversity. They could deal with some early. Like I said, wait, West Virginia is not incapable of having some explosive plays on the first drive of the game and going to score a touchdown. Like it's what happens after that. Like that's where I want to see this team. They showed me something in the second half against Nebraska until the final two drives offensively, ah. they showed me they showed me something a little bit, a little bit. I want to see all of it this week because, as you know, and I said this, I, I, it's 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 tiresome defending this kind of talent. It just is like, and that's kind of the position that I'm put in because of what what I do and what we both what we both do with this podcast and everything. So it's uh, it's time. It's it. I said it last week. I'll say it this week. This sounds really dumb. Like I'm not sitting here like citing anything because as as everybody knows, I was the Spencer Rattler hater last year, um, according to some at the end of the season. But if he comes out and plays well, throws four or five touchdowns, 300 plus yards, great day. I'll buy a T-shirt from him that if he had a, his face with double birds on it to everybody. I'll buy it. Yeah, to our patrons who won the Spencer Rattler T-shirts, please let us know if you um, are decide are debating on whether or not you should return your free gift. <laughs> 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 uh, there's still a lot of time, but um, it is what it is. OU should win and win rather comfortably because they're OU and this is West Virginia. But everybody, we're just not assuming anything on this podcast. We, we, we're not we, going to assume. That's what they. That's what should happen. I'm not assuming that it will. That, but that's what should happen. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Through the Keyhole. Shout out to our patrons who get this episode first for the first 24 hours. If you want to listen to this when, when it drops on Thursday evening, uh, please give our Patreon page at patreon.com slash through the keyhole a try, a, 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 a listen, you know, maybe. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe not. No worries. But we have fun with it, and I think you will too. But uh, shout out to our producer, Matt Burton, who does a wonderful job. Thank you so much. Still very thankful that you're a part of the team. Shout out, Matt. Um, love you so much. Uh, look forward to listening to this because you do add a very positive spin to these shows and we appreciate that as well. Uh, shout out to Vanessa House, even though we were not there, uh, they were with us in spirit. 
because that's where I got the stomach virus from. But don't worry, you can still go to Vanessa's house. We've already deep cleaned and bleached everything and uh, uh, just happens sometimes. Just uh, unfortunately happened to me and it's the first time I've been sick in oh, about, I was sick in college one for about a few days with the flu. So everybody get your flu shots because it's flu season. Until next time, everybody. Boomer Sooner, we'll talk to you later on the post-game pod on Patreon following the West Virginia game. Boomer Sooner, I already said it. Talk to you later, guys. Love you.